are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. What's your favorite part of a chicken? Brandon Jaggers. Uh, the breast. And me, CC Broadus. I've had enough. The Auxiliary Gate, big problem. Welcome. It's episode number 136 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus. Joined as always at the hip by Alan Schneider. Alan, how you doing? I'm fine, Siamese friend there. I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Well, the wind tried to blow me away on Friday evening, but they didn't succeed. I'm still here. I'm like that old oak tree that's planted his roots and, and these big giant branches held that giant wind off. I tell you what, uh, I'm fortunate. We lost a few shingles here. We've been, uh, we didn't lose power. A lot of people, a lot of people right here without power. I know what, half of Lexington's out without power. A lot of my friends may not get power for a week, blah, blah, blah. I'm fortunate, but man, that, that was a, for people who don't know, that was a long extended storm, rainstorm, then a long extended windstorm with like 75, 80 mile an hour winds. It just went for hours. And uh, a lot of damage around here. A lot of people struggling right now, right? I'm I'm fortunate. I think you may have had some damage, correct? It wasn't too bad. It was it was ba- it's it's enough to like the sign on at my business actually is warped now, and the posts are kind of lean leaning over, and I lost a bit of siding on the office. But it was it could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah, it was for some people. So. uh not enough uh, to turn in the insurance. That's what. That's the most aggravating part. I got to pay it out of my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You never know. I'm. I'm going to call them about this roof. I'll tell you that. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. So, yeah, racing at Turfway canceled Friday night. And I think they're going to re- remake that date. Maybe Wednesday. Not this I Wednesday, think it's coming. It's coming it's Wednesday. next Wednesday, right? Yeah. They tried. They tried, and they were actually getting ready to go to the post, and then uh. What, what was was it a tornado? There was a tornado warning in the area right for the first race, and or tornado watch. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, calmer heads prevailed. They went ahead and canceled. I'm sure it's kind of a a pain in the ass to the horsemen that had, you know, driven up there, thought they were going to run, had to turn around, and go home in that weather, and uh, and then of course the administering the Lasix and stuff. So tough call. I, I I get both sides of that, but I'm sure there was unhappy people. And I'm sure there were relieved people. So. Now, this past weekend, there were four Kentucky Derby preps. Pretty large weekend of racing regardless. But you had the San Felipe at Santa Anita, the Gotham at Aqueduct, the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream, and, of course, the John Battaglia at Turfway. I want to ask you, we'll pose the question to you, of the four Kentucky Derby preps, which one stood out the most? Well, I guess obviously you got to say Forte. I mean, that's that's the easy answer. I don't think it was the best field in the Fountain of Youth, but he looked like a billion dollars. I'd say a million dollars, but well, million dollars don't buy you much horse flesh these days. But he looked like a billion dollars on the track. He looked a winner the entire way. He powered by them going wide. I mean, I, I guess you have to say Forte. Am I going to sit there and mail the Derby Trophy to him? No, because people always seem to want to do that and jump the gun. I mean, is he a contender? Yes. Am I going to wait till the week of the Derby to tell you who I think is going to win? Uh, of course. Uh, but he looked fantastic. I'll tell you, a sleeper one was congruent in the Bataglia uh, for Antonio Sano, the man behind uh, Guinevara. And uh, who else might be get Simplification? Doesn't he train simplification too, Antonio? Yes, Sano? he's he's the trainer that was kidnapped twice in Venezuela, yes. right? Yes, it only happened to me once, so I can only imagine what it was like uh, doing that twice. But yeah, he was. I shouldn't make a joke about that. Um, but uh, congruent, Sonny Leon won the Derby last year. Comes back to Turfway, and that was a pretty solid field, pretty deep, evenly matched field. He he blew the doors off of him. So that that horse is has sleeper potential. No one's going to talk about it because it's Turfway. Of course, we know what happened with the Turfway alum last year, but I was impressed by that. I mean, he he powered past a, a solid field. What about you? Well, in that race, 
you know, you, you got to feel for the connections of the 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 third time starter, uh, Scooby Quando. Yes, son of Uncle Mo. That horse was locked and loaded, and I'm certain that he lost five, six links uh, entering the stretch when uh, Luan Machado was waiting for a hole to open. The, the hole never did open, and he he probably was maybe fourth, fifth early, and he had to drop back eighth or ninth. And when he finally got free, he was motoring home, and I'm certain that that was the difference between uh, uh, first and second for him, or at least oh, uh, really? at least the photo finish. I know I, I like Miranda Wright's in that race. He had some trouble as well too. I don't think he was going to win the win the race, but I mean, as far as I'm sure the better such as yourself kind of are like de- deterred by uh, Scooby Quando, uh, Scooby Quando's second place finish. But then Colbrook had one hell of a day. So what happened to him in the Gotham earlier? They probably uh, calmed those nerves a bit after that trouble Scooby had because uh, he he blew the doors off him going the one turn mile at, at Gotham, and and that's a with the race cane who I would have never had, to be honest with you. And I love Colebrook, and I love the one-turn miles. But that horse may be just built to do the one-turn, but he he absolutely lit him up up there. He's got a, he's probably going to go to the derby at that horse, I would think. Yeah, I never would have dreamed. That that horse broke his maiden at Keeneland, as I Not recall. Very impre- I didn't think it was very impressive that day either. And I don't he, think took, he took a ton of money late. And so yeah. they've, no, they've known about this horse for a long time. I'm looking at his pedigree right now. He's another son of violence, just like Forte. But... He is out of a lemon drop kid mare who won the Belmont Stakes. So, you know, this is this is a type of horse. He's actually got the pedigree on the bottom side somewhat. You never know. But that horse, yeah, he was very impressive. In a 14-horse field at that. And i got to give a shout-out, too. Uh, I've failed to do this up until now. But my, the sixth-place finisher in the Gotham is, was a horse named Mr. Swagger. And the interesting fact that affects this podcast is Mr. Swagger was bred literally two miles from my house. Really? Yeah, he's a uh, he's a Tunnel Mill Road bred, and uh, you don't see very many of those. I'm certain he may be the only Tunnel Mill Road bred that's ever been on a derby trail. <laughs> but uh, he was bred by a good friend named Craig Hagen and his daughter Bethany Walton uh, in partnership uh, with another. But uh, that they uh, they they bred that horse here and they they sold him at Keeneland. And uh, he's he's uh, he's one for two now. He broke his maiden in his first start at Aqueduct, but uh, ran sixth in the Gotham. And I'm certain this horse has got stakes uh, stakes victory in his future because he's uh, he's a talented sort. He's uh, son of McLean's Music, so he he might be uh, right in there six furlongs to a mile. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I who like trained him. Uh, who trained him? Juan Avila, right? I think he okay. is owned by the baseball player Oscar. Oh boy, D. Grouch, Oscar D. Grouch. No, it's uh, let me look it up. Victor Martinez, right? The guy that owned King, the horse that won the Tampa Bay Derby at one hundred fifty thousand to one. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so why the horse? Uh, King Guillermo. King Guillermo. I believe it's the same connections. Impressive, impressive. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. But he ran sixth, but the, behind the a runaway winner, and then uh, the other. The other race we need to touch on is the San Felipe, and kudos to Tim Yachtin, who entered five in the race. He's four loaded them, this year, man. Well, he, four of them, though, were transfers from Bob Baffert's barn, I believe. But he yeah, that's won. that's his horse. His horse. He won right? with his horse. Good for him. Practical move. Good for him. Yeah, and uh, that horse uh, got a perfect trip, perfect ride. And, you know, he's a son of practical joke, so that doesn't scream mile and a quarter in May. But, uh, you know, good for him. Good yes. for him that, that his horse uh, uh, came out ahead. And another horse I want to talk about in that race, uh, the third-place finisher was Skinner. I Here's a horse that should be able to get mile and a quarter if he gets a pace. This, is, this horse is trained by uh, – John Sheriffs, of course, who trained a Kentucky Derby winner in Giacomo, and they also trained the legendary Zenyatta. Mm-hmm. Skinner is a son of Curlin, of a Malibu, Malibu moon mare. And this horse settled in the back of the pack, and he made a run around the turn, and he kind of leveled out and finished third. This this horse bears watching, continues to improve. I think he's made five starts now. He's won only one one time. But this this strikes me as a... A Giacomo type. If he can get a pace, he can pick them off late. And that, that pedigree is to die for. 
curling out. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm writing this down. He's got a shot. He's got a shot to make some noise later gotta on. Got to get the line. points. Got to get the points. Yeah. Well, he he got what ten points. He got ten points on Saturday, so he's he's got to he's got to hit the board at least one more time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so action-packed week. Uh, the Kentucky Oaks winner lost. Red carpet ready. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe she's not ready for prime time just yet. I may have to back off that selection. Or maybe we got to give a little love to Darth Vader who just destroyed him. And that how was... about that runner-up effort by Chad Brown's horse, who I did not care for at all. No uh, guns and. Pedals, guns and uh, guns and roses. Play on guns and roses. I can't remember the horses, but and I know it's and again it's particularly in one turn miles when the pace has a tendency to start to melt down. Horses stop. You can get some crazy finishes. You can get some horses that are running that appear to be running faster than they are. The one turn mile is one of my favorite type configurations, but it also can lead to some uh, some not say weird results or whatever. But you you can have a horse flying at the end. But my God, that horse was flying. Uh, everybody else may, may have stopped. I mean, Darth Vader didn't stop, but is it guns and what's the horses? The second part of that, do you remember? Oh, let me look it up. I don't know off the top of my head. You're close if, yeah. if you if you're not right on it. But of course, coming out of a route at Tampa was kind of and kind of so so. But my good lord, he was flying. I'm Might hoping, be a good, huh? I'm hoping that Rusty sends red carpet ready to the Ashland. Yeah. Because we have seen over the years, Guns and Graces is the name of that filly. And that's the daughter of Gunrunner out of an Empire Maker mare. So, yeah, maybe she's the one. Maybe she's the one. But Rick Carpenter, Rusty has has won this uh, Ashland Stakes at Keeneland over the years. It's a short stretch, mile and 16. This horse is perfect. Red Carpet Ready is perfect for the Ashland. So that's my prediction. Send, send with a softer pace. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Be a softer, yes. Yeah. And this filly's talented. She's talented. So I like her in the Ashland. Maybe not in the Oaks. And speaking of the Oaks, how bad is this three-year-old filly crop mm. so far? Yeah, the horse that was supposed to uh, compete with the red carpet race, the Chad Brown horse, was really disappointing in that race. Yes. So. Wonder, then, uh, Wonder Wheel came back to lose. Well, we got to give her another chance. We got to give you know yeah. first start of the year was well, still coming, so we'll see what happens there. But Justique hasn't panned out yet. You know, it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it you could probably say the same thing about the three year old cold crop too. Just not to some extent. Yeah, just maybe, no standouts yet. Maybe we should ask JJ Highsell what she thinks. What do you think about that? Uh, maybe we should. Maybe we should reach out. Maybe we should. She knows it's coming. Yeah. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's uh we have a great guest on this evening. We'll get yes. to him in a few. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. I should be in bed to sleep cuz I'm old. Motherfucker, you ain't old. We ain't old. You old? I ain't old. You don't know how to have a good time no more. You're all about only being bed by 9. I don't I want to be up to 2 a.m., and that's what we're doing. And if you can't handle, get stepping. Does your significant other give you that tired old speech about not being able to stay up late like you used to or not having the energy you had 20 years ago? Fear no more. Help is on the way. This is CC Broadus on behalf of our friends at Jaggers Laboratories Incorporated, and they've developed a new testosterone supplement called Steppin'. Get stepping. Steppin' is all natural, using the seeds and leaves of many Central American flowers to form a powerful boost to your energy levels that won't leave you crashing by midnight. Get Steppin'. Get Steppin'. Tell you what, it's gonna be. I tell you what's gonna be a hard act to follow with that sponsor. With that sponsor we just had, that commercial that was pretty impressive. I yeah, need to, that, that I was, need to look into purchasing. Purchasing. Well, I worked that. hard on that. I worked hard on landing that account. Yes, and uh, did you get any money? Did you get any kickback for the, uh, you know, for being the spokesperson too? No, I got a lifetime supply. <laughs> uh, maybe you can, you may go into the details of that commercial later, but for now, we want to talk about tonight's guest. He started training back in 2013, and has always been one of the guys you have to watch for when you're playing the races around these parts. Uh, he's been on fire at Turfway Park. I think that's an understatement so far this meet. And if the beginning of 2023 is any indication, 
he's sitting on a career year in year number nine, ten of training. Uh, and in large part to a three-year-old Colt named Midnight Rising who just blew the doors off them at first asking going two turns in Florence last week at Turfway. Those are the, those are the ones you dream about. And I'm sure our guest this evening, Mr. Jordan Blair, does just that when thinking about Midnight Rising's potential. Uh, Jordan, are you there? And if so, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're, we're great. We appreciate you stopping by. Are you ready to, uh, answer an ad hoc mishmash array of questions that are probably a bunch of non sequiturs? You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> That's cool. Um, well, first off, we'll get to the big guy in a little bit, uh, Midnight Rising. We are, we are definitely going to talk about him. If you can wait that long, I'm sure you're anxious to discuss this guy these days, but, uh, he is part- exciting. Yeah, first, did, did that lengthy storm, that crazy lengthy all-day storm we had the other day that was half downpour, half uh, tornado-like wind, did that, did that cause you or your family or, uh, you know, your your horses any issues? Well, the horses were okay. Um, I had a couple that, that got nervous. It's not a big deal. We did not train that day. Um, track was kind of a muddy mess early, and then the wind came later. Uh, we got... Uh, fence knocked down, uh, a daughter knocked down. She got oh. kind of blown, blown out the door. It was, what? it was, uh, yeah, she was hanging on to the, to our front door. The door blew open. She went with it and kind of got tossed off the porch, but she just, she got up with some, some minor scrapes, but it was on our, our, uh, our ring doorbell cam. So we got it on video. It was pretty wild. How old is she? She's six. Oh God. Was she scared? I mean, is the, the it mental aspect. The, yeah, it scared the daylights out of her, but uh, but she's okay and yeah, good. We made it through. No 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 big problems. Yeah, for those people that don't know, I think Cece and I alluded to this earlier, but I think the the highest wind gust in Louisville uh, got up to seventy nine miles an hour, which I think they said the highest on record in God a couple of decades. Uh, it, it was crazy, and it wasn't just like a ten minute thing. It was hell three or four hours. I, I don't. It seemed like forever. Yeah, it so. seemed like it wouldn't end, and it felt like it went all night, but. Uh, I think everybody made it out okay. A lot, a lot of, I think people are still without power. My, I got family in Lexington still without power. Yeah, we um, just talked about this. I've worked at, I work at Toyota in Georgetown, so I, I'm around a lot of Lexingtonians, a lot of great friends, and they, they're all stuck. I mean, it's gonna be a while before they get power, so we're thinking yeah. of them and stuff, so. Yeah, it was tough. Well, I'm glad it didn't, outside of your daughter's little, uh, uh, scuffle, I'm, I'm glad everything worked out for you guys. Uh, are you based in Louisville? Are you, you live in Louisville? Yes, I'm a transplant. Um, born in Frankfurt, uh, spent most of my years in Lexington. And um, when I went out on my own, kind of realized that Louisville is more centrally based yeah. um, to everything. Ellis Park, Turfway Park, Indiana Grand, Kentucky Downs. Um, and we do, besides Turfway that runs four months, the majority of the racing is done here in Louisville. So um, when I went out on my own, we moved. Uh, we moved to Louisville. You know, you make you make a good point. A lot of people don't realize they know there's tons of horse racing here, and we have a year-round circuit that extends up to Indiana and and Belterra and Cincinnatians. But people don't realize Louisville is, is, in addition to being home of the Kentucky Derby, it's a hub, right? It's almost like the hub to shoot off to Ellis, to shoot off to Turfway, to shoot down to Kentucky Downs, Indiana. So if if you're going to, if you're going to be in these parts, it's a good place to live, right? If you, if you want to get to all those racetracks. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Lexington is not a bad spot either. It's just mostly an extra hour, hour and a half to these, to these spots. Um, and the, and they only run, you know, if you're stabled at Keeneland, uh, or the thoroughbred center, they only run three weeks twice a year, which, uh, you know, I came up at Keeneland is where I learned the game. And I love it and would love to be there, but it just made more sense uh, yeah. to be here in Louisville. Yeah. Any chance we're neighbors? I live in Fern Creek. Uh, where do you, oh, what yeah. part of I'm, I'm in Fern Creek and Farmgate. Are you serious? I'm My yeah. buddies live over there. I, I'm off uh, Beulah Church, brother. Uh, yeah, we're down the road from Bungalow Joe's. Going to have to come over and have a beer. Brother, I would. I'd, I'd be happy to meet you, Bungalow Joe's, for people don't know. We'll get Bungalow Joe's. Oh, yeah, Joe's Bungalow Joe's. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, anytime you want, brother. Anytime you want. Well, happy to. I'm going to bring Cece with me and the other guy that's not here today, Brandon Jaggers. We'll have a blast talk about Oceanic and uh, yeah. being in the Breeders' Cup and all those good things. I look forward to it. 
No, being here in Louisville is it's a little bit tough. You know, growing up a, a Kentucky fan, I have to have to <laughs> put up with a lot of, of Cardinal stuff. You know what? You you, you took my next question because <laughs> I was going to say, in addition to having a beer, you are my kind of guy because I'm a Kentucky fan. And I live in Louisville, and I love horse racing. So, I mean, if you, if you want to put in an application to be besties, I guess we could probably try it. What do you think? I'm in. More basketball or football? What do you like? Oh, I love both. I love yeah. both. I love, I, when I was in school, I loved the season of football because it was fall. Amen. Um, football games outside. It was, you know, it was the time of my life. And uh, when I was in school, and I don't know if they still do this, um, but we would have to go to a lottery uh, to get basketball tickets. Every game you would have to go to a lottery, and about, I don't know, maybe one in three people walked out with, with, with tickets. Um, and so I went to as many basketball games as I possibly could when I, when I went to school and, uh, and all of the football games. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Uh, the basketball tickets are not hard to get these days. One, because they're overpriced. Two, they don't perform the way they should, quite frankly. <laughs> but, right. uh, it's not, it's not the tough ticket to get that it used to be, but football is lord so much fun. But yeah, I guess I'll get back to horse racing, I guess, but I could go on and on. Uh, where are you, are you, where are you at the spectrum or, the, yeah, uh, they've, uh, you know, when we first started, they, they put us over at the spectrum and, um, Churchill Downs tracks out for people that don't know. That's that's what we yeah. call it. The old Louisville Downs, the old harness track. Go ahead. And it's it's changed a lot. Uh, I've been there every year, uh, I guess, for the last seven eight years. Um, and we've kind of got our spot in our same barn. Uh, it's it's not bad. Um, the surface there uh, has always been great. It's a six furlong track, but it's a it's a nice wide track. Um, not as busy as, as Churchill Downs. Uh, that's now where the Derby City Gaming is. We're, mm-hmm. we're dealing, they're building a new hotel. We've been dealing with a little bit of construction there, but, Jeez. um, but it's a, it's a nice spot. And, and like you said, we can shoot off to all these different places, uh, Indiana Belterra, Keeneland, uh, Kentucky Downs, um, Ellis Park. And and when and, and it used to be um, and and it's a shame Arlington Park was only uh, about right. five five and a half hours away. Um, Prescott, we ship up to Prescott here and there. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a we're we're happy to be there at Trackside. Or it's got many different names: Trackside Spectrum, yeah, uh, Louisville Downs, Churchill. Yeah, Louisville Downs. Training. It used to be Louisville Downs back yeah, in the day. It was a lot of fun back then too. Probably before. How old are you, Jordan? I'm 40. 40. See, I'm 53. I remember Louisville Downs heyday and stuff. And uh, now it's a thoroughbred tribe. I'm, I'm still glad there's horse population over there. But it was um, look up look up a little Louisville Downs from your from your history if you don't know anything about it. Pretty cool. Absolutely. And and I'm 42, so my my wife will correct me when she hears that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Definitely. she will. We're going to talk about your wife here in a little bit too. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you follow this circuit. Uh, people know how good Jordan Blair is and how well your horses perform. I mean, um, but there is a big guy we want to talk about. Before we hit him, you do have a lot of other good ones that I'm very aware of and that I'd like to give mention to. You know, there's there's a turf springer at Oceanic. I believe you went to the Breeders' Cup with him last year. There's there's mm-hmm. a young horse named Brazen Boy broke his maiden really spectacular fashion at Turfway. But I guess the one I want to talk to you the most about the one that I've always been interested in always if I get talk to Jordan Blair this is the horse I want to ask him about I want to ask about Divine Charger sure Divine Charger is a really really good turf springer who run a bang up race last uh spring at Churchill in a stakes and you tell me if I'm right about this or I'm wrong about this it seemed like that horse had the hardest time getting into a turf race last year like he was sitting on win after yes. win but they kept raining the stuff off and kept getting into bad spots am I right about that absolutely yeah she was she was a hard knock filly last year um from day one uh, owned by Jim DeMare of Ocala uh, from day one she showed promise um she really she probably would have broken her maiden first time out uh got stuck um in some traffic Broker Maiden, Maiden Specialway at Ellis Park. Um, really, the only reason that I ran her on the turf, you know, I was when we, uh, I was just looking at 
statistics. She's by Will Take Charge. Um, I mm-hmm. think uh, a lot of her family may have run on the turf. And Will Take Charge was his numbers for turf sprinters were off the charts at the time. And so I told the owner, let's, you know, and they're usually easier races. Yes. Um, short turf races. So uh, we decided to try her on the turf. Um, eventually, uh, when it came to Churchill, we ran her on the upper two-year-old year. We ran her on the dirt um, and ran a, a heck of a race, ran second to a Brad Cox filly that, that went on to do some, some major things. Um, and so the, and her next start was in Tampa uh, and a stake on the dirt. I thought she was going to end up being a really nice dirt filly. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't think she could go past six or seven furlongs. The first time we ran her seven furlongs, um, she, she ran up the track, um, but got her back. Yeah, I got her back. Uh, I, I skipped a stake at Keeneland last year, um, a three-year-old Philly turf stake because I, I felt like she was better on the dirt and I regret it. I've regretted it ever since it ran. Um, but we got her in the stake at, at Churchill going five eights and just got beat. And then the rest of the year was just tough luck. It really um, was. I remember. And it, it, yeah. And it ended with an injury, uh, not a bad injury because she's back in the barn. She's back breathing. Um, but, uh, we had to give her, give her the winter off. Yeah. There was uh, it seemed like every time she entered the turf, it'd get rained off. And then you had the issues with Churchill's turf and it's like, man, just get this horse in and this horse is going to make some money. But it uh, just, yeah. it, it, I know it had to be frustrating, but it also shows you the ups and the downs of horse racing, I guess, right? Because, well, it's good that she's back. So that's a bit of a down, but man, did you get an up last week at Turfway, right? I mean, there's, there's Midnight Rising. We've alluded to it. It's a, he's a gilded son of Mendelssohn. And mm-hmm. this horse debuted at two turns. I think it was last, I want to say last Thursday. Debuted at two turns on the rail against a pretty damn good maiden special weight field, right? And the works hinted this horse might be pretty good, but again, two turns from the rail, you know, you gotta, you know, proceed with caution. Blew him off the track. Beat a really nice Brenda Walsh, uh, horse easily and did it in the way that you have to be excited about. I mean, did you expect, did you expect that horse, when Machado pushed the button, he just took off. Did you expect that type of effort going two turns in his first start? No. No, I didn't. Uh, I mean, he had hinted that he was a nice animal. Um, and he was entered in a, a straight three-year-old maiden um, just the week before, but he, he got excluded. He was also eligible. So the the options were to run him back in this uh, maiden against older horses, which as if you look at, at that race, not many people want to do. Um, right. or, or wait for the next three year old race, which was a mile and a 16th. And you're already going two turns. I didn't want to add an extra 16th and we didn't want to wait. We wanted to get him going because he was ready. Um, so we threw him in against older horses. I remember night before, maybe two nights before, uh, had a conversation with both owners and said, you know, please don't expect this horse to win. Um, but after this race, once he gets some experience, watch out. Yes. And so, yeah, drawing the rail, I was like, great. You know, he had, he, in the morning, he, he was breaking okay, but not great. Um, so I didn't expect him to come flying out of there. I just didn't want to get him too far back. I told Machado, I said, just, you know, don't expect him. You're going to have to help him out of the gate. And whatever happens, just don't leave him with too much to do. Give him a good experience. And so, um, he broke better than average. He broke really well. Chato said, um, if he wanted to, he could have had to leave, but he didn't want to give him that kind of experience first time, especially going two turns. So, uh, he, he took him back. Um, you know, he didn't, it's synthetic. He wasn't getting dirt in his face, but he was, you know, that, that yes. still kicked back. So he was getting speed in his face. Um, he had to check once at the three eights, which I didn't really notice too much live. Um, but he really had to stop his momentum and, and, and getting that momentum back for, for any animal, um, is tough to do. And, and he did it with such ease, uh, made his trip through, um, K 
kicked on and, and, and the jockey never reached back and hit him. So, um, with all those factors, it, that was super, super impressive. Ran a fast time, uh, got an 80 buyer. Um, there's been interest in, in, in people buying him. I had a feeling. Uh, yeah. And, um, and they'll come at you and, and want to do, uh, not whole, but half or parts and, um, those conversations with, uh, uh, Surfside Stables, Debbie and Howard Appel, who are wonderful people and uh, the brother and sister and wonderful clients. Um, uh, they don't, they don't have any interest in, in, in selling them. They, they are, they're more interested in the experience, uh, and winning races and, and, and being on the big scale. Um, uh, than the checks. Well, you know, it's kind of, it, I'm happy that you get to keep the horse, but there's also a part of me that's, it's kind of unfortunate because Cece and I were talking off air and we were talking about maybe going in and maybe considering, <laughs> we were, we were willing to go. And I mean, I don't make your head spin or whatever. 300, even up to $400. If, 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 if the offer's still on the table, just, just know we're in, right? Cece, that, go to- that might buy, yeah, that would buy a, a big piece of, uh, of his eyelash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, he he he's definitely a valuable animal now. He wasn't. Yeah, he he wasn't. A, he wasn't inexpensive. Um, it was great how we we bought him. He he was in a dispersal in the in the November sale. There was a, a partnership uh, uh, that had to dissolve, and for whatever reason, and um, there were some really nice horses that came out of it. Um, and this one was one of them. Yeah, we bought him somewhere around, I think, a hundred thousand, uh, maybe a little more that they paid for him. You know, um, be about Mendelssohn, you know, that means, uh, uh, the grand, the grandma produced Beholder, produced, uh, Into Mischief. I mean, it's, yeah, it's got make you feel good. Why two turns? Why did you decide to go two turns first out? He's, he's just a big, leggy animal. Um, didn't really ever seem to get tired in his gallops or his breezes. Um, again, didn't break well in the mornings. Uh, I didn't want to run him six furlongs and him get distance. After seeing what he did there, I think he probably could have won a six furlong race as well. Um, and in his last work before I ran him, um, I put him in behind horses Um and I told the the group in front, there were two horses in front. He was behind. I said, try not to go too fast. I just wanted to get some dirt in his face. And, uh, and, and if he can get up to you, that'd be great. And, and he went by those horses like they were standing still and they were not going slow. And so and there was actually a jockey, um, that was in town, uh, from the fairgrounds and he breezed one of the horses, um, in front and he came back and he said, I don't care what day it is. I don't care <laughs> when it is. I want to ride that horse. Uh, fairly prominent jockey. And, uh, you know, I couldn't make it work, but, um, that just kind of showed, you know, he, he tipped his hand that day, um, to having the speed and the endurance and the talent. And, and when, uh, you know, it's not how fast horses breeze, it's how they breeze. Right. Um, you know, you can be all out whipping and driving and go 47 or 59, uh, for five eights. Um, and that's all well and good. But if they do it with ease, that's when you, you know, that it's mostly going to, uh, transfer into the afternoon. So the million dollar question is, right. You've had time to ponder this or whatever. I'm sure you're going to be asked. I'm sure you've discussed with the owners, uh, what's next? What kind of plans are we looking for? Because again, it is early March. It's a three year old. That just beat older horses two turns. There's obvious. I know it's quick. I know that big race. It's it's right down the road from us here at the Twin Spires. Is a couple months away. I know that's a little premature, but you do have the license to dream. I mean, if nothing else, you have the license to dream. Uh, what are the plan? What are you thinking short term, long term with him, or is it too soon to tell? No. Yeah. He well. He first off, he came out of the race in excellent shape. I mean, Wonderful. when he came back. Yeah, when he came back to the winter circle and then cooling out in the spit box, I mean, he he really wasn't stressed, really wasn't blown too hard. It's it just uh, a sign of a good horse. Um, 
So like I said, he ran an 80 buyer, which, uh, which put first time out. It, it's an amazing yes. number. Um, at least for a stable like mine. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, there's a couple of stakes coming up on their, on Jeff Ruby day. There's the Jeff Ruby stakes, which we'll, we've, we've nominated him for. And then there's the, uh, rush away stakes, which is an undercard straight three-year-old two-turn race and it's itself is $250,000. So um, it's more likely that he wouldn't, he would get excluded from the Jeff Ruby or really, you know, most of the big stakes that you would want to run in if, that you would call a derby prep just because he's, he's only broke his maiden. Um, and uh, so what we want to do is, is let him take us to wherever he's going to go organically. If if we get into the Jeff Ruby stakes and he looks good in there and he's not going to be 50 to 1, um, we'll run him. And if he gets points to get in the derby, then, you know, we'll have that discussion then. Um, but if he doesn't get in the in the Jeff Ruby stakes, we'll run in the in the rush away. Um and I mean he'll be five to one or less in there, if not yeah. five to two. Um and then, you know, we'll 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 take it from there. Um you, of course there's Derby Dreams, but um, you know, speaking with about this with the owners, we're not gonna press the issue. Um, you know, it, it this would be my first go around if he were to get us there. And that's exciting. Oh but, god, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to uh, hinder his progress for long term. So he is a gelding, um, you know. You know he has no stallion value. Uh, so you know everything will be you know his racehorse potential. Mm-hmm. You know that's 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 what he is. He's he is a racehorse, and um, so we want to have him long term. And then hopefully uh, I I was talking to my wife the other day and, and, and brought up, uh, brought up wise Dan. I said, if he could be uh, a fraction of what he was because wise Dan was a gelding, um, then that would be unbelievable. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm going to kick it to Cece here in a second, but I'm, I am thinking wise Dan might be a decent comparison because wise Dan could do the synthetic, could do the dirt, could do the turf. The horse is out of Mendelssohn. There's no reason some of these three-year-old stakes come up at Churchill and Keelan on the turf. Maybe a pos- something else to consider and blah, blah, blah. Right. But, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options. It's it's a good hand to have, right? It's exciting. It's yeah, exciting. you're sitting yeah, there with three aces. Been, yeah, the owners have been waiting for, for a two-turn horse. So a lot of the things that we've bought, uh, a horse that you had mentioned earlier, Oceanic, who's a turf sprinter, um, we thought might be a two-turn horse. Um you know the the turf sprints are exciting, but the you know the the classic distance races right. uh, are the, I think the you know the foundation of American racing. For the money and the prestige is and stuff. So let's that's, hope that Midnight right. Rising is the next one to uh, kick down that door. Take it Thanks, away, CC. Girl. Well, yeah, that's the horse I want to talk about is Oceanic. I think you've had this horse since day one, and you've done a really good job with him to develop him into a stakes horse. Uh, he's by constitution out of a rock hard 10 mare. All of that would scream two turns and the, the longer mm-hmm. the better. This horse is yeah. a turf sprinter to take us along uh, the, this the horse's journey, starting a maiden special weights all the way up to that uh, big stakes win at colonial. What, what, you know, what changed your mind to, uh, to try this horse on sprinting on the turf? It was a long journey. CC, uh, this horse was a real head scratcher for a long time. Uh, you're right. Yeah. We bought him as a yearling, um, for 75,000 at the phasing tipped in July sale. Um, he showed potential, you know, uh, for the two year old trainer. Um, and when he came to me, he, he, you know, he, he showed a lot of potential. He had an injury in his two year old year that sidelined him. Uh, I think we got him started at Tampa first time out. And ran a bang up race, second in maiden special weight. And, uh, and we thought the sky was the limit with him. Um, I think I came back and ran him two turns at Churchill in a maiden. 
Um, and that he ran really poorly and had a really, you know, the rest of the year was a bad year. Um, we finally, uh, even ran him for, I think, maiden 30 at Turfway and that was his best race. Uh, so the synthet, so that being his best race, um, going short on the synthetic, once we got down to Tampa, it, it was really the owner's idea, um, to, to try him going short on the turf. It was a suggestion of theirs. Uh, I liked it. Um, you know, Tampa, while it's not easy, especially at the, right now, at the time was, uh, a little easier than, than, you know, right. even, even Turfway. Um, and, uh, so we, yeah, so we tried him and, um, the jockey did something completely different. They hustled him to the front and he showed immense speed when asked. And, uh, and yeah, that maiden in Tampa was, uh, was the first of many turf sprints he was going to win. Um, the reason that, uh, that he had such a poor year and, you know, if you ever see one of his, his, his bad races, um, he, he has a condition called thumping. Uh, have you guys ever heard of thumpers? Uh, it sounds familiar. The rabbit from Bambi. <laughs> yeah. so, I dated one. Bang, bang. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so stop them dead in their tracks in a race. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't know the, the science behind it, but what happens is um, they have uh, a flutter in their diaphragm and it's, I can relate it to um, like a hiccup with people. Oh, so really? it's them trying to run full speed while having the hiccups almost. I mean, that's not exactly right, but that's the feeling. So they can't breathe. Um, and it's a, uh, it's an electrolyte, uh, imbalance or lack thereof. Um, and so, you know, it took us a really long time to figure out. We knew it was happening, but you know, how to manage the horse, how to fix it. Um, to get him on the right path mentally because, you know, after they do it once, I think there's nerves involved as well. They're afraid that it's going to happen again and then just kind of manifests on itself in races. And he wasn't the bravest of horses. Um, and so once we got that kind of almost figured out, um, last year was, was his first big year. Um, besides his, you know, he won an allowance at Keeneland the year before. Um, and then, uh, let's see, last year was kind of a hard luck year for him too. Um, at the beginning, but then it just got better and better. Uh, he ran on that turf at Churchill, which he hated. He fell on his face out of the gate. And that was kind of the first time he ran off the pace and made a big run, which kind of changed things for us a little bit because we'd been sending him to the lead. Um, and saying, come and get us. Uh, but him being able to rate really changed things. Um, after that, uh, there was a stake in Indiana that he should have won. He got trapped on the rail. That was with Edgar Morales. Um, and then to be honest, uh, Debbie part, Debbie Appel part of Surfside said she wanted to, um, look towards the Keeneland race, uh, the Woodford. Um, in the fall yes. and, and work and work backwards. I think that's how we came up with the race uh, in Indiana. And then we decided to ship him up to, uh, to colonial. I remember when we, when we drew in the race in colonial, he was in the 12 hole, you know, it was not an easy race. Um, he won easy, I, didn't he? He did win. I, I didn't really want to go at first, um, but we talked ourselves into it. Uh, went up there, uh, Julian and Le Peru, um, who had been riding him some over the summer, uh, came in, he was riding that, that card and yeah, and yeah, he won easy. And that was, uh, and that was phenomenal. And after that, he runs second in the Woodford. We were also eligible in the Breeders' Cup, um, drew in and, uh, and he didn't, you know, he didn't run, run great that day, but he, he ran second to Golden Powell at, uh, in the Woodford Akeem, yes. which was, we were, uh, which was so exciting. 
uh, from way off the pace, which was so, you know, just so different uh, for him. Um, but yeah, he's been, a, he's been a real, he's been a head scratcher, uh, a challenging horse, um, but very rewarding uh, now that he's, I think he's six years old now. And I, I feel like these turf sprinters just get better with age. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, and he's also a gelding. So hopefully um, we can keep him in the barn for a while and, and keep him at a high level. Well, I see that he's already had a workout. I, I assume he's on the the comeback trail. Uh, he had a workout at the end of February. When do you foresee him getting back to the races? Well, the the goal is Keeneland. Um, yeah, they've got they've got. Uh, I believe it's the Shaker Town um, uh, opening weekend. Um, so that's the goal. Um, it's kind of a tight schedule because he came back to the barn early January um, and to get, you know, to get ready for, for, I believe it's a grade two, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but that, that's, that's the real, the real goal is to get back to the Breeders' Cup. So, um, you know, if we can, you know, make a good showing uh, here in April, um, you know, you got the turf sprint on either Derby or Oaks Day, uh, Churchill and then, uh, just work our way backward, backwards from, from the Breeders' Cup and see if we can't make it again. Awesome. Is it, is it easier to get a turf sprinter back in shape as opposed to like a, a horse that goes two turns on dirt or even a, a dirt sprinter? You know, I think it's just easier getting older horses, uh, ready back off a of layoffs than say like a two-year-old come you know that's had an injury coming back as a three-year-old these older horses um they have good muscle memory um they already have a foundation it just doesn't take them as long to get ready as far as uh you know a two-turn horse and a sprinter um i train them slightly differently but it's very, it's very it, like just in in my program, the, the differences are very minor. So I re- you really just want to get, you know, especially for a stake like that, you know, you want to have them ninety percent. Will I have them ninety percent? I don't know. Let's start way back now. Let's go way back. I met you probably huh. ten, eleven, twelve years ago. You you'll never remember me. I'm not worth remembering. But stalker, stalker, right? Go ahead. My, my, what, what do they say about first impressions? Uh, you know, first impressions make the or last the longest, I guess. Yeah. My first impression of you was you were walking a filly, and you were hands on. You were, you, I think you were working for Mike Maker at the time, and you were hands on. Uh-huh. You were just grazing the filly, actually. You were grazing the filly at Keeneland. Okay. And that I, my dad was with me, and he was really impressed. He, he so we've been we had been watching you for a long time. Oh, and, that's cool. uh, but you've worked for Maker and you've worked for Kenny McPeak and I know you've worked for Michael N. Ewing. I think you spent yep. some time in California too. Yeah. yeah uh, well, my wife. I'm not sure what, uh, what order you were with those trainers, but, uh, uh, how long were you out in California? Well, I had, we had, uh, I had a few different stints out there. Um, I was in California in 2000 and Eight for the Breeders' Cup. That was a, a short period. Um, I think that was when Dream Empress ran second in the Darley Alcibiades. I mean, not the Darley, the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies um, for Kenny. The next year, Kenny had like he had six or seven two-year-olds. Um, there was Noble's Promise, Beautician, uh, Bridgetown. Um, uh, there was several others. Um, and so I was, was, so we went out for the Breeders' Cup and we ended up staying and stayed the whole winter. Um, Hmm. and it was, I had like 10 nice horses, plenty of help. It was, uh, lived in Pasadena. Uh, it was one of the best, best winters of my life. Um, loved every minute of it. Got to, got to watch, um, you know, Baffert train, Sadler train. Uh, sheriffs, um, you know, all the heavy hitters out in California had, you know, 
spend time at Crocker's Corner, the San Gabriel Mountains. It, it's, it was fantastic. Um, and when I was with Michael Ann Ewing, we spent a winter at Hollywood Park, which was I'm glad that we did. It was very different. Um, but I, I'm glad I got to, to be a part of that, even for a short period of time. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time out in California. Did you get to follow Noble's promise all the way up to the Derby? All the way, yeah. Um, so, and then that, I think, and, and then he ended up going to England, and that's yes. when yeah, that's when I switched uh, switched jobs from, from Nick Peak to Maker. But, yeah, Noble's promise is a two-year. I remember him. Uh, because he came into Keeneland, I was I was the uh, Keeneland assistant for Kenny, um, and I remember his first or second three eights was just uh, a wow type of breeze, um, and he broke his maiden. I think he might have had to go out uh, for, for buck shins for a for a short period of time, but I I remember we watched him break his maiden. I was in Saratoga for Kenny, and he broke his maiden at Ellis Park. And, uh, and, and, and then, and then he ran in the futurity. Um, but by then he was training at Churchill with, with Kenny. Um, uh, so, uh, I didn't get to spend as much time with him, but he was, and then he came out to California with me. Um, and I did, he actually, before the Breeders' Cup, we, we went out maybe two or three weeks ahead of time. I remember he got like a 104 temperature uh to two or three weeks before when we got out there and that is something that you just don't want going into the breeder's cup and so i think he probably would have won that race had he not had that setback and he lost in a three-way photo it was so exciting uh looking at lucky and i can't recall the name of the horse that that won the thing it was a godolphin horse um one of them that's it that was I remember this day. because I didn't use him. <laughs> oh yeah, look at yeah, sure. looking at Lucky drew the fourteen, I think, in Vale of York. You know, this was a synthetic Breeders' Cup. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, no, he was a, he was he was, and then he went on to be a, a have a little bit of a career as a sire in Indiana. Um, he actually has passed away since. Oh really? Uh, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, he was he was special. He was a lot of fun. That was and again, the a big group of people owned him. That was the two. I think it was the 2010 Derby. The, Super. That would that that's correct. Yeah, in the slot. So we yeah. had that we had, we had the lead at the head of the yes. stretch again. Another very exciting. And he outran his pedigree by three furlongs, yes. maybe more. Um, you know, he was bred to be a sprinter, and uh, yeah, he was. It was a lot of fun. Going back and watching that derby, he he turned for home in front, and Willie, Willie Martinez was riding, as I recall. That's right. Is that correct? That's correct. I, yeah. I was so excited for Willie because Willie had been around here forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, turning for home. I, he, he rode that horse like he had a ton left. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he just uh, – I guess his pedigree caught up to him. Late, That's exactly he, yeah. right. It wasn't Thank class. You. It wasn't hard. It was pedigree. Yeah, he just couldn't yeah. get there. Right. So, what sets Jordan Blair apart from all the other trainers in the world? Well, I mean, it's it's training is not rocket science. Um, I think uh, attention to detail. Uh, what sets you know uh, sets trainers apart? You know, the great ones like. Todd Pletcher or Chad Brown, or, I mean, just go down the list. Is there attention to detail? Um, and, and that's what we, you know, we try to pay attention. Uh, you know, our system is not a program. Um, we're a smaller operation, so we can focus on individual horses, um, a little better than, than, than a big operation. Um, there's a lot of challenges, you know, trying to get horses in the right spots, being on the same page with the owners. Um, you know, all, all these things have to happen to get in the winter circle. Um, but for me, as long as my clients are happy, um, and we're winning races, then, uh, then I'm happy. Last question before I turn it over to Alan. Are you guys going to be active at the two-year-old sales this spring? 
Well, I'll definitely be there, and it's going to be up to up to my clients whether they want to buy some horses or not. I know uh, uh, one of my clients, Elliot Honaker, Coronado Stable. He he was pretty active at the yearling sales, so they've got a, a few nice yearlings to come in. Um, but uh, I'll be there. I'll be working. Um, so hopefully we'll we'll pick some up while we're there. Okay, Alan, you take over. But before you before you do, I I highly recommend Jordan Blair to anybody. Oh yeah, I think, <laughs> I, yeah, I think his results speak for themselves on the racetrack. But I'm mean, like I said, like I years. said, I, we, my my father and I were loafing probably one Sunday at Keeneland, messing around, and there he was, you know, grazing grazing a, a horse, you know, out out by himself, taking the time. I I thought that was fabulous, just to you know, to see, you know, somebody take the time to do that. I, I, I realize I'm sure a lot of people are saying, well, I do the same thing, but you know. Well, those are, the, just, those are the peaceful moments, you know, with yourself and the horse and especially at Keeneland. I mean, it's just such a, uh, a beautiful place. They've got, you know, lush green grass while we're, you know, while we're there training, um, for the horses to graze. It, it, it's just a, a really idyllic place to be in. Um, you know, especially in the spring and the fall, you have the cool mornings and it, it's just, it, it can be, uh, therapeutic to be out there with you and just your horse. Yeah. You said it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two quick things before we go, maybe three. We'll see. Two, who, who, which one of your owners, one of the things I always remember about your horses, so one of your owners has like the neon orange silks are really cool. Am I right? Is that you? That would have been Ken Ayers. Uh, Ken. yeah. Ken Ayers had the orange silk still does. I don't have any horses for him right now. He, Damn. yeah, he was one of kind of our foundation clients. We had uh, a nice filly named Maggie Sue, who's a mom and right. has baby. Yeah. Um, strumming, I think was there another one of theirs that was strumming. Uh, yes. I'm a decent runner for us. One of the allowance at, uh, at Churchill. Um, but yeah, Ken Ayers, the big white A. If you ever see him again, tell me he has some of the best silks in racing, that fluorescent okay. orange. I knew it was Jordan Blair when, I see, when I'd see those horses on the track. Uh, secondly, we have to mention, Jordan, that you are married to a Jordan, a female yes. Jordan. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's be clear on that. Uh, Jordan Springer, who if you follow this circuit like we do, like Cece and I do, you know that Jordan Springer, let's give a shout out to uh, the better half, used to be a jockey on this circuit. Uh, remember her very, very well. I believe you, we talked off her briefly, and I'd forgotten that she won the first ever synthetic race at Turfway, correct? That is correct. That's her claim to fame at Turfway Park. I remember the right, I cannot remember the horse's name. When I see you guys at Bungalow Joe's and I buy you the beer of your choice, I will ask her the name of that horse, and it's driving me crazy. Uh, if you see her before we hang up on you, please ask her. She may know that. (laughs) Anyway, how confusing is it? To have a husband and a wife with the same first name. It, both well, so, yeah, we met uh, out in California that year um, that Nobles Promise, Bridgetown, and Petition uh, were out there running in the Breeders' Cup. We met through mutual friends, and that's when I stayed. Um, and uh, she actually started working for us, for Kenny Gallopin, and she ended up coming back to Kentucky with me. Um and so we've, so that was 2009, 2010. So it's been 14 years that, that, um, that we've been dealing with it. It was, uh, you know, it was a novelty in the beginning. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's kind of worn out now. Uh, I, can, I can imagine. She, and yeah, so a lot of people, um, will call her Jordan Blair, but, uh, to keep things less confusing, uh, she's still Jordan Springer. Gotcha. So did you name either of your kids Jordan? It was in discussions. We decided uh, that it was better judgment not to. Good call. Good call. Yeah. And let me ask you one last thing, I guess, before we go. Would either one of you, you or Jordan Springer, would you consider yourselves the most famous Jordan ever? Well, uh, if you don't count last names, uh, it would, it would definitely be me. Yeah. There you, there you go. I can't think, I can't think of any other famous Jordans. Can you, uh, CC, can you think of any there? I just can't think of it. Like the country? There's a, there's a country. <laughs> country. I think there was a guy there's that played. There's a river. Yeah, there's a river. Was there a basketball player of some renown that had that no, name? No, no, I don't no. think so. 
no, maybe I'm thinking of, of, of field hockey or something. <laughs> anyway, we do appreciate you stopping by, Jordan. This has been fantastic, man. We are excited to see what comes next for Midnight Rising. It seems like the the potential is endless. Uh, what beer do you drink when I get when I get you one? What do you What do you like? Well, the guys at the track got me drinking Modelo. There you go. Yeah, Modelo's good. I think that might be on tap at Bungalow Joe's. I may be wrong about that. You got to have a lime with it though. That's right. We'll get you a lime in there. But yeah, we'll see you up there and stuff. And we do, we appreciate you coming by and, uh, continued success. Again, you're on fire at Turfway. Everybody's noticed that. A lot of winners come. It seems like a big 2023 for Jordan Blair, right? I hope so. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Anytime is our pleasure. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you to Jordan Blair. How awesome was he, man? He's got a nice horse on his hands, brother. He really does. He's got a lot of nice horses, but uh good guy getting a great horse. What we like to see, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he's just a professional. I'd say he, he is. his owners are delighted to be uh working with him cuz he's, you know, he's well spoken and he he just, you know, he says the right things and he's just a he's a horseman. And you know, something else, it's like he's in that level that next level down from a from a notoriety standpoint of like people like us who follow the sport who we know and Tomlinson's that way Michelle Lovell's that way we can we can name 20 guys like that Jason Barkley we could go on and on and on it's like they don't have the big name but they're the guys if you're a horse player you got always got to know where they're at on the court right you always got to know where they're at in the field and if you don't you're letting a 13 to 1 shot you're letting a, a 22 yeah a 22 to 1 go by those are the guys that make the sport grow. That that make that make it fun for me to watch, right, and play. So yeah, well, they make it yeah you know, make it palatable for the people that own the horses that that he trains too. Exactly. You know? So wish him nothing but the best. Oh, and by right. the way, he just texted me the horse we're trying to think. Jordan Springer rolled the first ever winner at uh, on the at Turfway on the synthetic, and I couldn't think of the horse's name. He just texted me. Jordan Springer said the horse's name was Worldly Dane. For anybody out there wondering, Worldly Dane. I would quite, kind of, quite a nice little bag of trick, nothing to have in your pot, back pocket. Say so that you did that. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. A couple more items that we need to cover before we hang it up for this week. For starters, Tampa Bay Derby is this Saturday, uh, $400,000 mile on the 16th. Uh, at times can be an important derby prep. Mm-hmm. I think this year could be very important because a horse named Tappet Trice. Is running. This is the son of Tappet for uh, Mandy Pope and friends, uh, trained by Todd Pletcher. We know now that Louis Saez has given up the mount on last year's Kentucky Oaks winner, Secret Oath, to ride this horse. And he's entered, uh, he's probably going to be a heavy favorite. A lot of these horses I've never even heard of, you know. Uh, classic les- Legacy goes for Mott, Prairie Hawk. Classic car wash, Groveland. Uh, he he might be even money in here. So he sure looked, good. He sure looked good last time. You get to, in that last race when he won that. I think it was an allowance at, at, at Gulfstream. That was a deal where you, the jock can use on a best horse. He's on the rail and he and he intentionally lost ground to get outside. He wanted nothing to impede him that day, and he went by his, his stablemate very easily. So when they do that, when they take all throws, like my my goal is to get into the clear from the inside. When they do that, you know that you got a runner, and he, and he didn't respond that way. So I, I'm sure he's going to get take all the pounding at the windows. Yeah. I think the horse they beat at Gulfstream is also entered Chesterkin. Uh, oh, from, yeah. From Pletcher. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that horse is uh, worth watching. I think he may be he may be live. Come but on. if we've learned anything from this derby season is, like, don't take uh, – don't – Count your chickens for the hatch, taking short prices in these derby preps. We've had seen a lot of boxcar payoffs, and it's always good to keep that in the back of your mind. And last but not least, <laughs> in the uh, idiot of the week category. Did I win again? Not this year. Your record may never be touched, though. Good, good. Of three in a row. But uh, Sunland Park, I saw this tweet floating around on Twitter uh, maybe on Saturday or Sunday, and it was a stretch run. Or it was a head-on replay of the of a quarter horse race at Sunland Park in New Mexico. I just this watched a, this. I just this, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. They DQ'd the runner-up, and I don't know where they placed him. I haven't looked that much into it, but 
they DQ'd a horse for no reason. Yeah, it, it's and true. It, it, this comes from the Pollock report. Uh, Ray Pollock looked into it, and he's made a few phone calls. Nobody else, of course, well, nobody will say anything. But apparently, well, not apparently. The the, the rumor is that they they looked at the wrong replay. <laughs> they 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 looked at the replay of another race. Jesus Christ! And that is um uh, that is unbelievable. I mean, it's hard enough to make money in this in this game, but can you imagine hitting an exacta or trifecta or just making a large play for you? Yeah, and the horse is DQ'd for absolutely no reason other than the stewards might have looked at the wrong race. You know, I will tell you place. this. You know, we we say that if you hit hit the superfecta for ten grand, it doesn't matter if you bet two to place on the horse and you had two two eighty coming back. It, it's irrelevant. You know, it just that's criminal. If you see this, the the horse was I think the horse was in the lead and came, almost ran straight as an arrow down a stretch. Actually, the horse, the three horse was four pass over from him. He wasn't in. That was no concern. He was clear of the one horse. The horse just ran in a, basically a straight line. There was no one around him. I'm sure the jockey and the connections couldn't believe it. If you watch the head-on replay, the only thing I can come up with is a something crooked was going on, or b the more likely scenario is the stewards watched the wrong replay. I mean, the horse never was around anyone. It's I just watched the CC tell me about it. It, it. If you if you get a chance, check it out. The problem with these situations is how do you who who do you blame? Because I, don't know. I mean, you you can't hardly know for certain that the stewards were involved in something nefarious because it could be stupidity. And I don't I don't want to say that being mean because I'm not a big fan of all the complaining and whining and stuff that goes on in the whole HRT thing where I think there's too much of it. That said, occasionally the things are correct, and this was egregious. I don't know what what the problem is, but I would but assume it, that there is a somewhere that somebody recorded. The, the replay of the, the, the simulcast feed of those, that, that day's races, right? So yeah, yeah. you would know if, if, if whoever's running the video department showed a replay of a different race. Maybe. Then it's on the video department. If, if they, if they showed the right race on the simulcast feed, then something nefarious is going on. That's, you know, that, that's worth, worthy of an investigation, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hesitate to, I never like blaming people for things and just making blanket accusations of people. People like to do that with drugs and stuff and horse racing. Hey, I didn't pick the winner, so that horse must be drugged. I'm not a fan of that. This case, there's enough. This this is egregious enough for me. And there, something doesn't need to be looked into. And it could be human error. It could be human error. You know, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes, but I don't know. It makes you wonder. I mean, I, I don't know how they handle it in quarter horse racing, but did the stewards talk to the jockeys? Good question. I, I'm not, I don't know much there's, about quarter horse there's racing, no, but there's no claim of foul. You know, I mean, do they do they make the the call on their own? Is there a language barrier? Maybe I, this, there's a lot to digest there. I, that that is uh, when I saw the tweet originally, I thought this is garbage. I mean, this this is somebody just playing a joke. And, no, and, it drew Ray Pollock's attention. So it's worth checking out. Okay. Anything else? I think we'll wrap it up for this week. Okay. Yeah, let's close the book on Auxiliary Gate 136. We'd like to thank our guest, Jordan Blair. And on behalf of the absent Brandon Jaggers, what was he doing? Hell, I don't remember. He's buying gas for his generator. Something like that, yeah, (laughs) I think. More power to you, brother. On behalf of Brandon Jaggers, Alan Schneider, I'm CC Broadus, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.